You, the authentic man, live by a code, take bold action, and pass on a legacy. Your life is a combination of courage, initiative, gratitude, strength, loyalty, toughness, persistence, and dedication. Yours are the shoulders on which every great civilization has been built. You're a model of integrity, a walking moral compass, and unyielding warrior for truth. Envied by the weak, average, and selfish, you stand alone as the one indispensable ingredient to a great society. You are the authentic masculine man. Welcome to the Atomic Masculinity Podcast, where we bring you conversations with men of purpose and impact. I'm Chris Hogan, the host and founder of this podcast and the Atomic Masculinity Movement, which I hope you'll join because the stakes are high. Your country, your kids, and your grandkids. If you're a regular warrior, welcome back, and you know what we're all about. If you're new to the podcast, we're pumped to have you with us, and you should know our goal is to restore American masculinity to its proper role in society, and that is accomplished by men becoming better men. We want you to live with purpose, build influence, and create your own legacy, and we want to be an asset to you in this journey. Our guest today is Frank Reed from 94.9 KLTY, America's most listened to Christian radio station. Frank Reed is the host of the highly rated Frank Starlene and Hudson Morning Show on 94.9 KLTY. Frank's broadcast career spans over 49 years and includes stops in Orlando, Miami, New York City, and the last 27 years in God's country, Dallas. He is the recipient of the Air Personality of the Year Award, from the National Religious Broadcasters Association, as well as the Industry Achievement Award from the Christian Music Broadcasters Association. Frank and his wife, Patty, have been married 27 years and are the proud parents of Ryan, 24, and Hope, who'll turn 20 in a few weeks. Frank and Patty live in Keller, Texas, and are active members of Milestone Church, where they lead a home group. Frank, we're glad you're here today. Hey, Coach. It's good to be here. Thanks. Man, I'm pumped up to have you. I'm a little bit, uh, a little bit nervous. I'm sitting here on You're doing fine. a radio type deal with a guy who spent 50 years. No, it's in coming radio. up, yeah, coming up, coming up on 50 years in August, I think. So oh, wow. So yeah. you're going to critique me? Is that what's going to happen? <laughs> hey, listen, no, listen. I, I've I've already heard your podcast. It's excellent. <laughs> Thanks for being here, man. It's my pleasure. So tell me a little bit. This thing is obviously built for men. Tell me, where were you born? How'd you grow up? What was your house like? Yeah. It was Baltimore, Maryland, and a pretty typical household. My dad worked for what became Martin Barrietto, which is now Lockheed Martin. Mm. And uh, he had worked there since he was like 18 years old and uh, met my mom there. They fell in love. We were a really typical um, 50s and 60s family in that uh, dad was the breadwinner. Mom stayed home with me and my sister. And uh, it's kind of interesting. My dad lost his dad at a young age. Didn't really have uh, fatherhood uh, modeled to him. Uh, But he was a good guy. He was a good man. However, mom was the hammer in the family. And uh, dad was very passive. He uh, He was a good guy. But he really about the only thing that uh, that we were involved in is he he did have some athletic ability. So uh, he got me involved in little league at a at a young age, which was great, you know. Sure. Or, you know, so um, I was in little league, and uh, also um, 
was a pretty good pitcher until about the ninth grade. And it's interesting, back in those days, as you can tell, I'm a little bit older. They didn't have coaches counting pitches back in those days. You, oh. just, sort of, you just sort of played. Until your arm hurt. Exactly right. And and in the ninth grade, I'm I'm throwing curveballs at a very young age. And, and I, I threw my arm out at a very young mm-hmm. age. And I probably should have had a dad or a coach saying, oh, just, yeah, just throw hard and we'll count the pitches. But that's right. just the way that it went. So. Yeah. Interesting. So from uh, you said your dad was uh, passive to a certain degree. Yeah. Explain what you mean to the listener. Well, again, he was a good guy, but he wasn't really involved in parenting like I think most, at least Christian men or solid Christian men, are involved now. I, I know you. that... Um, you know, I look at the way my wife and I parent uh, compared to my parents. It's completely different. Uh, we're on the same page. We're on, we're basically on the same team. Of course, my kids are, you know, we're, we're newly empty nesters. Both of my kids are out now. But in raising our kids, I was very involved and very involved uh, as best as I could, taking a spiritual leadership yeah. uh, position. And I saw that. I saw that with your kids. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you. Yeah, they've turned they've turned out well. Oh, I'm proud great. of them. <laughs> you know what's interesting in that era? So what when were you? Was that the 50s or 60s growing yeah, up? Yeah, yeah. A little mixture of both. Yeah, late 50s, early 60s. Okay, so yeah. the society then think about how different we are. Oh. You know, if you just think about 1955 compared to sure. 85 compared yeah. to 2005, and right. today, we're in a different universe. Completely different. So you could have been a little more passive then exactly. because the culture espoused yeah. at the base of it Judeo-Christian ethics. That's exactly right. Even in Baltimore. That's exactly right. Right? Compared yeah. to the Bible Belt. Of t- and today, yeah. you, you can forget that. Well, and I tell parents, um, it's like, look, there is this giant tsunami that is coming down the highway of the internet and the telephone yep. that's trying to just take your kids along with it. And it's a battle. And it's, and it's, it's, a, it's more of a battle now than when my kids were gone. And my kids are, uh, yep. Ryan is 24, Hope's going to be 20 here. But, I mean, even in the past two, three, four, five years, the amount of content and the amount of uh, just stuff that our kids are exposed to is just off the charts. And uh, you've got to be diligent. You've got to be on top of it. You've got to know what your kids are getting into. You've got to know what's, what's behind the screens. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's yeah. a challenge. That's yeah. a big challenge. Parenting is more intentional. It's, it's more, we've got this thing that a program we do called the five pillars of parenting. Yeah. And we take it straight from text of the Bible. But if you leave one of those five out, yeah. and they're in order, by the way. Yeah. And if you leave one out, you open the door for great calamity yeah. with the amount of information that kid is getting today. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about it, when we were kids, um, if there was drama going on at school, say, with boys and girls or boyfriends and girlfriends, or what did this person say? What did that person say? It was left at the school. It was yeah. left at the school, and then you went right. home, and maybe you picked it up the next day. Now, they take it home, and it's all on their phone. Yep. And, you know, I, th- I think especially if you look at um, the emotional health of young people, we know that the uh, suicide rate for young people and for young ladies, I know yeah. that it's high. It's high. And I'm sure that's one of the reasons, and... 
No questions. The virtual relationships versus yeah. the actual face-to-face. Now we're screen to screen. Yeah. So those kids are more connected and more alone than ever before. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, more connected and, and, and more alone. That's very accurate. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, um, so you know, 50 year career in yeah. radio. When did you get started in radio? And tell me about that journey, because this is, I want everybody to be listening about the journey. It's not so much that he's in radio. It's the journey and how it parallels your journey as a listener to what you got into. Go ahead, Frank. So I got into radio right out of high school because really when I threw my arm out, I actually had my, you know, I talked about my mom being the dominant one in the household. And I was having arm problems, but um, I failed algebra. Mm. And she was sort of like a pastor play type person. And it's, <laughs> and it's, and it's, kind, of, it's kind of interesting because um, my algebra teacher, actually, when she found out that uh, my mother wanted me off the team because of my grades, the algebra teacher said, she sort of implied that she would have changed the grade mm. because I think she saw how important that was to me. And it's kind of interesting because my, my mom, before she passed, because both of them had passed, told me, she said, I wish that's a time that your father would have stood up to me mm. because I saw how much you loved that and how much it meant to you. So when athletics was taken away, I, you know, we sort of were in church, but I wasn't really involved. You know, I, I, I walked the aisle of a Baptist church when I was a kid and got baptized and everything, but I really don't know how real it was. It's probably because sure. I had a domineering mom and my sister did sure. it. So it's like, why don't you do it too? One of those things. So, so throughout high school, I didn't really have, you know, my identity used to be in athletics and that wasn't there anymore. And uh, my grades weren't very well. And my grades weren't very good, and I was kind of I was kind of short and kind of dumpy in high school, not very popular and uh, very insecure, very insecure about the way that I looked and the way that I was. So I had a friend who worked at the local rock and roll radio station. He had a job on the weekend. I used to hang out with him on the weekend, and I thought, man, do you get paid to do this? This is crazy. <laughs> and uh, so I I got through uh, high school. I had to go to summer school to get out. And I found out that there was uh, such a thing as a broadcasting school. And um, there was a broadcasting school in Atlanta. And I told my mom and dad, I said, I, I, think, I'd, I think I'd like to try this. And they said, well, we have a little bit of money saved. They didn't have a lot. They said, we think we have enough for you to go to the school. So I went to this broadcasting school in Atlanta. And I learned in six months, it was about a six-month course, and I learned just enough to talk my way into my first job at a little country music radio station in Kissimmee, Florida. And this is pre-Disney. And uh, I got a job there. And I figured out quickly in the business, if you want to get ahead in the radio business, you learn everything that you can at this small station. And then you move up to a bigger station. So I began my journey. Started in Kissimmee. And then I have learned everything that I could there. And then about... Nine months later, I moved to Mount Dora, Florida. Um, that station actually went off the air, but that's a whole other story. It's, it's in the book. Um, <laughs> but I ended up going to a, station, a country station in Orlando, and then I moved to a – I finally moved into Top 40 Radio in Cocoa Beach. I moved back to Orlando, and then I moved over to Daytona Beach, another station in Daytona Beach. Traveled a lot. Then uh, I got I got moved up to Jacksonville, Florida, which was a pretty big jump. 
but then I made a big move to Miami, Florida, and that was that was huge. That was a major market. That was a great radio station in a battle with another great radio station. So how old were you when you got to Miami? When I got to Miami, I was uh, 25, and I spent two years there, and uh, that station ran into some problems with the FCC and my my boss and his boss was fired and um uh the the radio station uh across the street that we were competing against was trying to hire me away and I ended up just resigning and not doing anything for a few months because uh uh my boss had left and it was just it was just a bad situation I thought I'm just going to take a break and uh the guy who tried to hire me uh, knew another guy who was moving to New York City from Chicago, and he was charged with taking the uh, NBC-owned and operated station, which was WNBC in New York, big 50,000-watt blowtorch. He was hired to come in and turn that radio station around and make it a winner. And the right person said the right thing at the right time, and I was on my way flying to New York City uh, to interview at 30 Rockefeller Plaza, Right there. Oh, wow. At the age of 25, 26? I was 26 at the time. 26. And uh, landed the job, and uh, I was the last hire of an all-new team, and I was the overnight guy uh, from 2 to 6 in the morning. And uh, I just thought, well, this is just as good as it gets. And But it got better because I eventually worked my way up the ladder to uh, – 10 to 2 at night, then 6 to 10 at night. And after about six months with the coaching of my boss, who eventually ended up going and starting MTV, his name is Bob, uh, I got the coveted afternoon drive shift mm. in New York City. And uh, we had hired uh, Don Imus, who was very famous. We hired him to come back from Cleveland to do mornings. So we had Imus in the morning, and I was on in the afternoon. And uh, it was really... I was really living the American dream. I had a had a penthouse apartment on Madison Avenue, and I uh, was dating an aspiring actress. I had money in the bank. Um, but over a period of time, I developed a drinking problem. And uh, I had left the apartment in New York, and I bought a really nice house in Long Island, and I became a commuter. And um, it's really funny. Whenever I would... Whenever I would want to go home and see my parents, I would go to my boss and say, hey, I'm going to take vacation during this day. And I would circle uh, the date two weeks before that on my calendar. And I would tell myself that's when I wasn't going to drink, that I was not going to drink for two weeks before I went home. So when I went home to see my parents, I wanted to present a good appearance and I've got my act together. Plus, my dad, who was Catholic, had now gotten saved because my mom just kept on praying for him, which is a whole nother story. Um, So my parents are now plugged into the church and I'm not. And I, I wanted to always appear that I had my act together. So I had to keep on going to my boss and I had to keep on moving the date on the calendar because I couldn't stop oh, drinking. Oh, wow. I couldn't, see where I, going. I couldn't stop. So one night I just said, "There's enough. Of, this is enough of this. And I was, I was uh, playing racquetball at the time. I was playing a lot of racquetball. But I'd become a daily drinker. And I finally decided this one day I'm not going to drink. So I played racquetball that night, had a healthy dinner. 
And about 11 o'clock that night, I didn't realize what was going on because I didn't know anything about the addiction. But my body started to go through alcohol withdrawals because I hadn't had any mm. alcohol. Well, I didn't know what that was. It's like, what's happening to me? Well, then that triggered a massive anxiety attack with, with my heart. Sure. I had no idea what that was. I'm having a heart attack. I'm dying. So I called 911. And they came and uh, they looked at me and they said, do you do cocaine? I said, nope. I said, I, I, I drink a little bit. It's not a problem. Instant denial, right? Right, right. So they, uh, so they're taking me to the hospital. They've got the sirens going and the whole thing. They're phoning in my vital signs. And I do think that I'm going to die. I'm thinking I am not going to survive. Whatever's going, I'm going to die. Stark reality. Stark reality. And I immediately flash back to... Uh, giving my life to Jesus as a kid, being involved a little bit with the Jesus movement. What is all this about? I was in control of my life. I was very successful. I was doing great. And yet I came up to something. It's like, what is this? So I immediately began to take stock of my life. And there was something inside of me that immediately knew that it was a spiritual issue. I didn't know if it was about Jesus or I just knew, I just knew that something wasn't right. I just had that mm. gut feeling. And so um, I went to the hospital and they loaded me up. They should have told me that I'm an alcoholic, you need to detox, but they, they took me to a terrible hospital. They just loaded me up with sedatives and sent me home. Mm. And uh, about four in the morning, I started to have the same symptoms. And um, I called my attorney who lived in the same town. I said, hey man, I'm really sick. Can you take me to Mercy Hospital, which is a good hospital? He came and got me and I went to Mercy Hospital and they looked me over and uh, this nice grandmotherly lady came down in pinstripes and told me that I'm an alcoholic and I should be, I should detox. And I said, well, I basically said, you're crazy. I said, just give me, uh, it was Valium. I said, just give me some sedatives to get through this anxiety issue. I said, cause I, I need to go home. So get this. So. My mom and dad were flying in that day for a visit, the day that this happened. Now, is this on the calendar and you know it's coming, or is this a surprise? Yeah, it was, it was, no, it was on the calendar. I knew they were coming. Oh, my gosh. Talking about compounding the problem. Yeah, so, 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 I, so I just stumbled through this visit with my parents on tranquilizers, but I immediately began to think, what is up with this? Well, there was a, there was a guy that I knew in Orlando that I used to go surfing with, and I knew that he was pastoring his first church in Vancouver, British Columbia. So this is before cell phones. So we're, we're burning the long distance lines between Long Island and Vancouver on both coasts. And he's been getting, he's been getting to counsel me, and he's very non-judgmental, and he's just asking me a lot of questions. Meantime, there was another girl that I used to date in Orlando who had got sold out to Jesus. And she basically told me, she says, you know what you need to do. This is all about Jesus. You need to get your life straight. She's, she was real, she was right. real blunt. Well, it's because you used to date. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so I, uh, I got involved with, uh, AA, uh, which was a tremendous blessing. And I, and I started to get some help there. Um, and I kept on having these psychosomatic problems probably because I didn't detox correctly and my body not having alcohol. It's like one week I would have a headache and then the next week I would have chest pains and then I'd have mm. these abdominal pains. It was like on and on and on. So my, uh, I went to my attorney and I said, Hey, listen, I said, um, have you got a good doctor you can recommend? 
he recommends this guy, and I'm going to see this guy. And I go back to see this guy like three or four times over the course of about a month. And he says, listen, he says, I don't, he says, I've checked you. He said, you're really very healthy. He said, basically, everything that's going on is up here. He points to my head. Oh, and I'm, thinking, wow. I'm thinking, oh, I'm fine. I'm just a nut job. Right. So uh, so he says, I have, a, I have a psychiatrist who's a friend of mine. He's got an office down the hall. Let me get you in to see him. So I go and uh, see this guy, and he says, tell me what's going on with you. Well, I didn't get real specific. I just sort of gave him a little bit about the addiction and stuff. I didn't get into any spiritual stuff or anything like that. I'm searching or anything like that. Didn't get into any of that. And he sat back after listening to me. He says, well, listen, he says, uh, he says, I don't know what it is you're going through, but it sounds like to me that you're wrestling with making some sort of decision. (laughs) He says, he says, I don't know. This guy's not a believer. This guy's not a, I was just fixing to ask. This guy's not a believer. He's just a doctor. And he says, I don't know what it is you're going through or what you're wrestling with. He said, whatever it is, settle it. He said, after you make a decision, settle it. If you're still having problems, call my office. I'll work you into the schedule. So I get on the Long Island Railroad going into work at NBC. I'm going, I can't believe this. I'm going, I'm going, Jesus, is this about you? Mm-hmm. And all I can think is, I've got this giant job at this giant secular radio station. There's no way that I can come out as a Christian. There's just there's just no way. But I was so at the end of my rope. I just took a risk. I just said something like this. I said, Lord Jesus, if this is all about you, I said, I got to know. I said, if it, this is all about you, I said, I will do my best to follow you lock, stock, and barrel. And I was in a relationship with a girl that I knew was wrong. I knew it was inappropriate. I threw that right on the table. I said, I know this is wrong. I said, I'll end it. And then I said, then I, then I laid the job on the altar. And I said, if it means losing the job to find out what is true, I'll do it. Okay, so we are at a crux right now. <laughs> this is a crux. And what the explanation that was just given is yeah. the difference between yeah. commitment and surrender. Man. If we are committed to yeah. Christ yeah. and committed to the cause of God, yeah. it's going to fail because a commitment by me rests on me. Mm-hmm. But when That's it's right. a surrender, I just laid it all out there. Man. Somebody else is in control. I just laid it out. I just laid it all out. Mm. And then this is really funny. This is, this is, this is absolutely 100% true. And then I said, and dear God, if at all possible, if this is true, please don't let my life be boring. <laughs> I, I swear I said that. Yep. And, uh, because my idea of Christianity was, yeah, sure. uh, my idea of routine, my, my idea of Christianity was Jesus died for your sins and you don't screw up. Right. Yeah, that sure. was, that was my, that was my doctrine. Sure. Right. So. Nothing happens. Uh, I don't hear angels' voices. I still feel about the same. And 48 hours later, my boss calls. And he, the only time that he would call me in, that he would call the house is when Don Imus, and I love Don, and we're, we've stayed in touch, he had a terrible addiction problem with, with uh, alcohol and cocaine. And if if there was ever a time that his bought that my boss would get a call at two or three in the morning that Don wasn't coming to work, I was the guy who got the call to fill in. So I thought, 
so I get this call about eight or nine in the morning. I thought, well, this is odd. I usually get a call in the middle of the night. And I said, hey, what's up? He said, we've got an emergency meeting with the boss this morning at 10 o'clock. You need to be here. I said, well, what's up? I can't tell you. I'll tell you when you get here. So I took the train into New York City, and I went to my boss's office, and he uh, he's passed uh, Kevin Matheny, bless his heart. Um, I could tell from looking at him, he was under stress. He, his, his face would sort of like get like a tomato. He'd get all stressed out. So we're walking down to the boss's office, and he's saying to me, whatever you do, don't freak out. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. Everything's going to be okay. Oh, great. So we walk in there. You didn't tell him you'd been freaking out for weeks. No, but. right? So, so we walk into the boss's office, and the general manager, his name was Dom, really, really nice guy. He stands up, shakes my hand. Hey, Frank, thanks for coming in early. Have a seat, blah, blah, blah. And then he says, we're making changes. This is 48 hours after I said the prayer. Mm. We're making changes. And I'm thinking, making changes, I thought. You gave your life to Jesus. Yeah. God's going to send you to Africa to yep. do missionary radio. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he says, we're making changes, and we're taking you off afternoons, and we have to let somebody go to make room for somebody new on the roster, but it's not you. We think we're going to put you on after Imus before this new guy who's coming in. He's going to come in and take your place in the afternoon. And he does something completely different. And he's from Washington, D.C. And his name is Howard Stern. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You can't make this up. So here's what's, here's what's crazy, though. Here's what's so crazy is I remember at, when I went into the meeting and I thought I was getting fired, I thought, yeah, this is all coming to an end. Man, I didn't realize that my life was about ready to just begin because here's what happened. Because of the timing of the prayer and because of the prayer that I said, this circumstance seemed so personal to me. I felt like God is taking a personal interest mm-hmm. in me. Right. And the creator. It was so of the it was so personal. So so I walked out of the office saying, I think it's all true. Yep. I think it's all true. And I got out the Bible and I started consuming the Bible and I started looking at life that God could be involved with every aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And everything now, before I did anything, I started praying about everything. And he That's started awesome. and he started answering prayers. Yep. And it's like, what? Are you kidding me? He really is a personal God. <laughs> it's like, I was like freaking out. Wow. It was like, it completely just changed the trajectory of my life. So wow. here, here, now, now here's the takeaway, because I've been, you know, you, you know, we've been having some conversations. Sure. You know that I've had, a, I've had a rough few weeks. But here's, here's what I found. I went through the hell of getting sober. And it took about a couple of years for me to really... Yeah, from start to finish. Yeah, it really took a couple of years for me to really get back to normal in being in counseling and being in AA and also getting involved in church. But looking back on it, that was a very difficult circumstance, but it was a blessing in disguise because it absolutely changed the trajectory of my life. Absolutely. Changed it completely. 
Absolutely. And I stayed in secular radio. I, st- I stayed at NBC for another three years, having Don Imus and Howard Stern make fun of my faith, mm-hmm. because they, as soon as they found out that I made, and I wasn't, I wasn't going around toting a Bible. You don't have to. I didn't. You know what? All I, listen, I just wasn't showing up at the bar at five o'clock, and people wanted to know where are you. Yep. I said, you know what? I can't. I don't do that anymore. Well, well, why not? Uh-huh. Well, I think it's because. My faith. <laughs> I mean, and of yeah. course, that's all you got to say. And that's then everybody it. just goes crazy. Yeah. Oh, Frank's born again. Oh, and on and on yeah. and on and on and on. But here's the thing: if you're listening right now, if the truth is the truth, mm-hmm. and if Jesus is the truth and the way and the only way, everything else and what other people think, you know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Nope. The truth is the truth, man. That's right. And uh, so I ended up staying there for another three years, and then I moved home to Orlando, Florida, and I had bought uh, a lakefront property there. I had a custom lake home built, and I thought, I'm going to spend the rest of my life in Florida. And um, I ran into a contract dispute with the people that I was working for, and I just couldn't understand why it wasn't working out because I liked them, they liked me, but we were just not getting it together. And there was a Christian station that served. There was at the time, there was one Christian station that served New York city. Yeah. Think about that number. What, what year was that? That was 1988, 88, one Christian radio station, New York city. And I had gotten to know the general manager. I, we had went to a, I, I went to a, uh, the dove awards. I went to a Christian broadcasting convention. I got invited to go and I met the guy. So he starts calling me and says, why don't you come back to New York and do Christian radio? I'm thinking, what? What are you talking about? Well, they had music, contemporary Christian music in the morning and contemporary Christian music in the afternoon. And the rest of the time, they had the programs like Dr. James Dobson, Chuck Swindoll, and all of those. And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. Well, anyway, make a long story short, one thing led to another. And God made it very clear. I left water skiing every afternoon in a custom home on the Claremont chain of lakes and moved sight unseen to a basement apartment in Hackensack, New Jersey (laughs) to get into Christian radio. Wow. And that move, which by the way, had a great pastor friend, Kurt Heffelfinger. Hey Kurt, because I'll tell Kurt to listen to this podcast. (laughs) Uh, Had a great pastor friend who walked with me every step of the way in making that decision. Now, this is another turning point, I'm guessing, because now you're moving into Christian radio. Moving into Christian radio and moving back to New York. And it's interesting because there was a girl that I dated whose dad was a great Bible teacher in Long Island. And we dated on and off for quite a few years, but she stayed in New York and I moved to Florida. I thought, well, maybe that's maybe part of this is maybe I'm going to end up marrying her because she was a solid Christian lady. I liked her a lot. And so uh, I moved back to New Jersey and uh, started in Christian radio and started going to a church, um, Pascag Bible Church. And uh, the lady in Long Island and I, we had we had split up. I'd sort of gotten to the point where this is not going anywhere. It was sort of, it was sort of like the other job. Remember the job? Right. We kept on beating my head up against the wall. It's not going anywhere. So um, <laughs> this, it's a true story. There was a, uh, there was a walking trail that I used to go to that I would jog and walk, and I would, uh, and I would walk around this lake and just sort of talk to the Lord 
a lot of times I'd be talking out loud. People would be walking by soon. Sure. That person's got problems. He got so, still drinking heavily. <laughs> right? right. So I'm, I'm walking around this lake, and I, and I had met my future wife, Patty. I had met her at church, but I thought that she's way too young for me. But I sort of threw it out, and I was having this conversation. I said, hey, God, listen, if I see, if I see that Patty at church on Sunday, I'm thinking maybe... I'll ask her out. What do you think of that? I didn't get any like audible answer or anything, but I just, I was at the point in my life where I prayed about everything. Sure. I wasn't just going to date somebody. I'm going to pray about, I'm praying about everything now. So, so we get to church that Sunday and me being observant, I knew that she used to sit down the front of the church on this side and I always sit, I always sat back in the back on this side and we were about 15 minutes into the service and we're in worship, right? And I don't see her. So I'm thinking, well, that makes sense. I prayed about this. She's not here. And, um, worship was about ready to end. And I had about this much space between me and the end of the pew on the left. And I noticed out of the corner of my eye, somebody coming and sitting down right next to me. Oh my gosh. And it was her. Wow. It was her. And I was so freaked out. I didn't ask her out. Oh my. Are you kidding (laughs) me? I didn't ask her out. He delivers her right next to you in church. I didn't ask her out. I was so freaked out. So, so it's kind of funny. I had, I I ended up asking her out twice and she turned me down twice. And I thought, I can ask you a third time. Well, about a month went by and I saw her at church and she gave me her business card. She said, call me sometime. And here's what's so cool is she was engaged to another guy, Christian guy. Mm. Which is why she said no two times in a row. (laughs) Well, here's what happened is God told her he's not the one for you. Even though he checked all the boxes, you know, if talking about the other guy. Yes, talking about the other guy is not the one for you. And what I've found is, you know, if you, when you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, if you're going down a wrong direction, he'll oh, yeah. give you he'll give you a gut check. Absolutely, it won't feel right. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what happened with her, and she had to emotionally, after she broke it off, she had to take some time and step back. Before she was ready to date somebody else, mm. and so we started dating and uh, got engaged. And uh, uh, <laughs> we, how many years have you been married? Twenty-seven years. Twenty-seven years. We never had a fight. No, I'm just kidding. I was uh, to say, let's do a show on that. Yeah, right. A lot of people want yeah, to hear that one. Twenty-seven years. And um, what another really funny story is. Wow. Uh, we were engaged when KLTY called me and said we haven't. Uh, an opening an afternoon drive would you be interested in it and i said no i said i'm i said you know what i'm working in the number one market in america i love the station that i'm working for my wife and i are engaged i'm ready to get married and the guy uh john rivers from 20 the countdown magazine and Powerline, he said he said okay he said well he said why don't you just he says why don't you fly down he said just fly down for a visit so I said, okay. So I flew down, didn't tell Patty that I was going to fly down. That was a bad mistake. So I flew down, and it went really, really well. So I came back from uh, from Dallas, and she wasn't very happy. And I said, uh, I said, hey, I said, I said, would you be interested in moving to Texas? She's a Jersey girl. Right, right. And she's a tough Jersey girl. She said, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Yeah. Let's go to dinner. So <laughs> So I go back into the office and I call John Rivers and I said, listen, I said, I'm about ready to get married. 
I said, I don't want to get married and then say, listen, you're now that we're married, we're going to do this. I said, I'm not going to start my marriage that way. I said, if there's a plan B, I said, move on to plan B. And he said, well, I don't have a plan B. So I've searched the country. You're the only one that I want. I said, let me get back to you. So I went back to Patty and I said, and he says, he says, let me fly you both down. I said, let me get back to you. So I go to Patty and I said, look, um, hey, listen, they just want us to come down for a visit and you can come too. I said, worst case scenario, we just get a nice free, free trip to Texas. Free trip to Texas. That's come on. I Which said, any good Christian would want. Got, what do you got to lose? So she finally said, okay. So we come down. They give us they give us two rooms at uh, separate rooms at Homewood Suites and Las Colinas, and it just so happens that the owner of the radio station at that time, Mark Rodriguez, was getting married that Saturday, and we got invited to the wedding reception that Saturday night at the top of the La Cima Club in Las Colinas. Oh, there you are. So we're all dressed up. She's all dressed up. She looks great. We're there with John and Sherry Rivers, and well, they evidently put out the word to the KLTY staff. Make sure you say hi and you are nice to Frank's fiance. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, everybody's coming up to her. Oh, hi, how are you? You know, this whole thing. But you know, yeah. that is much more the trajectory of Texas. <laughs> right, that right? is they're, true. They're going to come up. That is true. That's make very, sure very true. y'all feel welcome. That's right. So I took her back to the hotel. And here's the thing. It's like I, I told uh, John, I said, I'm not going to manipulate this. I said... If you want us in Texas, we have to tell God to tell her. I said, that's the way this is going to go. I said, I'm interested. And um, so I took her back to her hotel room that night. And I said, "Uh, what do you think about all this? I hadn't said anything to her about a move. And she said, I think God wants us to move to Texas. Wow. Of course he does. Yeah. And that was 27 years ago. Wow. And you've been here ever since? Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. 180 Wellness, the team chiropractors for the Texas Rangers, located in the heart of South Lake at 321 West South Lake Boulevard, Suite 100. These guys are great. Dr. Wade Parkhill, Dr. Jared Wright, Dr. Matt Ottoman. They do it all. They are my chiropractors, and they're located right here in South Lake, my180wellness.com. Okay, back with Atomic Masculinity Podcast, hosting Frank Reed today on Atomic Masculinity. Frank, you ready for part two here? I'm ready. Let's do it, man. All right. So let's set the stage here. So you are a well-known radio personality, 50 years in the business. You have unbelievable kids, a wonderful wife. You're just like me. We married women way way out of our league. Way up. We outkicked our coverage. (laughs) And uh, hey, but, but, you know, God is good. He knew we needed him. Yeah. So you have this life that many people would look at and say, you know what, this is uh, like the American dream. This right. guy has it all. Because, right. you know, when you were early, you're, you had an identity issue. You had it with baseball. Yeah. And, you know, dad wasn't super involved. So right. then when baseball was gone, now your identity is in success and yes. radio. Correct. And then that went out. Yep. So now you've found the Lord. Yeah. You've found the love of your life. Yeah. I'm at a, at a great radio station. Unbelievable place. You great get place. to Dallas at yeah. KLTY yeah. in God's favorite place, yeah. Texas. Very true. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so now you're on a trajectory. Yeah. And you've been there for years and things are going great. Could not be better. Popularity's growing. Christian radio's growing. Yeah. What do you say to a guy who seems to have everything going? Yeah. And then all of a sudden they run into a major setback. Do you have any experience in that area? Yes. 
So um, this is pretty new and pretty current and pretty fresh. Um, uh, my wife and I uh, were uh, blessed by uh, a gift of going to Israel. And if you've ever talked to anybody who's been to Israel, they always say, oh, you must go to the Holy Land. I've been to the Holy Land. It will change your life. It's where Jesus walked. It's where the Bible was written. It went on and on and on and on and on. Everybody always has these stories about the Holy Land. So, okay, I get it. I get it. So when we figure out that we're going to be going on this trip, I started praying and um I'm starting to hit the speaking circuit a little bit more, and you always like to be fresh, and you always like to ask God for, a, you know, uh, a current, I call it a Holy Spirit download mm. of, you know, what should I talk about and what should the content be of, of what sure. you're going to share. So I thought, well, what better place to hear from God about right. that than the Holy Land? Because right. everybody says, when you go to the Holy Land, your life will never be the same. So I thought, okay. So I started praying before this trip, and I said, Lord, it would be really great if, while I was there, since this is the Holy Land, and we're going to go to all the sites, that if I could hear from you about anything, that that would be, that'd be, that'd be awesome. I'm, I'm Basically, I'm open. That's my thing. So we are a couple of days away from uh, the end of the trip, which was very, very nice. It was great. And saw all the sites and uh, everything about the Holy Land and all the different places that you go to. And uh, I got a text from a friend that I work with and said, hey, have you heard this news? And um, what had happened was is uh, I had found out that I along with others, had been victims of some very serious financial fraud. Mm. And um, and on top of that, uh, it was done by a friend of mine. Mm. And Not exactly what you had in mind when you said, hey, Lord, show me something. Not exactly what I had in mind. But yet, um, it's been difficult. It was difficult at the time. It's still difficult now as I'm still processing it and still working through a lot of issues with it. But uh, here's what I came away with in going to Israel, is that you can do everything right. And I've not done everything right, but I've done a lot of things right. And you can walk with the Lord serve Jesus. And the bottom line is, until this is all over, we still live in a fallen, broken world. And we still have broken people. And we still have the problem of sin with us and with others. We still have uh, illness, I have a couple of friends now going through some cancer things that are just, and we pray and believe for healing, and we believe that, but it's still the reality of death. It's still the reality of sometimes wayward kids. It's still the reality of sometimes adultery and marriage, betrayal of every 
And this and this was betrayal. I mean, because this was not a person you had known for a year or two. No, I hadn't known this person for a long time. So it was it mm. was it was uh, it was a very very deep wound that I'm still dealing with. But it's interesting because I told my wife, I said, "Well, I must have Jesus living in my heart because I have peace that I should not have." Mm. And um, and I couldn't I couldn't explain it. It's like. Yeah, I was pretty freaking out, but why am I not freaking out more? It was, uh, it was sort of like, gosh, this is hard, but I know that when hard things happen in your life, it doesn't catch God by surprise, right? and God is still in control. God is sovereign, and because of that, I can face tomorrow. And, um, uh, you know, God is sovereign. There's no such thing as coincidence. No, absolutely. Absolutely not. And, and here's another thing that I would encourage men listening, wherever you are in your journey with Jesus, the more time that you spend on your journey and the more you pray for guidance and he delivers it and you pray for your kids and you see God answer prayer here and God answer prayer there. You, you pray about things with your career and you see him answers prayers here or closed doors here or open doors there. What happens over time is God develops a track record with you. Mm. It's a track record right? where you can look back and you say, wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, remember back here when you had that drinking problem and you went through two years of hell screaming for relief Hmm. and you finally got on the other side and when you got on the other side you could say that was the best thing that ever happened to me because it changed my life here's another difficult situation and i'm saying okay lord what is it exactly that you want me to learn through this uh how do you want me to connect with others because of this what do you want me to communicate with Coach Chris on this podcast mm-hmm. because of this? Well, either God works all things together for good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, or he doesn't. Or he doesn't. That's or he right. doesn't. Yeah. There's no either or. And sometimes, and sometimes we can't understand it. And I think sometimes maybe things will happen that we won't understand until we get on the other side. And... Oftentimes, I think a lot of times, we'll go through things and we think it's all about us. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's not about us. Maybe God allows you to go through something because he's got to do something with somebody over here. Yep, no question. And he knows that you have the strength and the fortitude. He knows that you have the support system Mm -hmm. of men around you. I mean, I've got to tell you, men that are listening right now, if you don't have a group of men that you can just get on the cell phone and say, dude. Got to talk. When can you talk? It's critical. You cannot, you know what? It's like going into, it's like going into battle alone. Right. You don't go into a battle alone, man. You go in with the team. Absolutely. And um, uh, so. Wow. So, so you know what? It's all, I don't know how it's going to unfold. I don't know how it's going to play out. But all I have is today. Mm-hmm. I can't change what happened yesterday, and tomorrow's not here yet. So today I'm just trying to make the most of my life with Coach Chris. And yeah. 
the podcast. And I, and I was telling you, you know, a lot of time I heard last week guys say that setbacks generally we can't see it, but they're set ups. Yes. And I think that happened in your story with moving from place to place and mm-hmm. even going through something difficult. Sometimes God positions you. Exactly. Right. You think of Joseph. Yeah. The man oh, was sold gosh. as a slave. Yep. But he was put in position. Yeah. Not only for him but for others. Yeah. It could be very well the same thing with you in this position. Yeah, but when he was in the pit, man, it was a, it was a bummer. Absolutely. You know, and so sometimes you go through that, but but he but Joseph was faithful, wasn't he? Absolutely. I mean, he was faithful. So I think that's the call. It's like when the stuff hits the fan, you just stay strong, you stay faithful, you surround yourself with winners who are going to and my wife my wife is a rock. Absolutely. And she is a gift. And when you go through difficult times, to have that spouse that is going to come along beside you and love you, she could have said, she could have said, why did you do that? Right. That was kind of a dumb move. She didn't mm-hmm. say that to me at all. She was so supportive and it's like, look, this didn't catch by God, God by surprise. Mm. And you're uh, faithful, and you've done all the right things, and we're going to get through it. Hard to put a price on that, isn't it? You cannot put a price on. Yeah. You cannot put a price on a godly wife. No, absolutely not. Well, sure. I encourage guys all the time. The brotherhood is really hard to overstate. Yeah. It's that's part of the reason that we started AtomicMasculinity.com yeah. because the podcast, the the blogs, everything there. Yeah. Is a brotherhood. When you read the material, you know that's right. It hits you in the gut, and you know other guys are on that page, right. and you know you can't live isolated. No, you can't do it. You can't do it. That's why we need one another, and that's why I'm grateful for this podcast. Well, thank you so much. Well, Frank, I just want to tell you it's an honor uh, to be here with you today and uh, sharing, you know, part of your life story with men. Thank you. Because these guys recognize the patterns of self dependence of what they put their identity in. Yeah of redemption, of yeah. betrayal. Yes. But in a very changing world, you got to have things in your life that do not change That's to exactly deal right. with all the change around you. That's exactly right. Well, you're a model of that, and I sure appreciate your time. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks, Coach. To hear more of Frank's story, you can check out his book called Frankly Speaking, which chronicles his life. And you can get a little background on that book at franklyspeakingthebook.net. That's frankly speaking to book.net. Also, Frank is available to speak to your church or your men's group. And you can email Frank at frankreadontheair, all one word, at gmail.com. That's frankreadontheair at gmail.com. That will wrap up the podcast for this week. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week, same time, new guest. And we ask that you would pass this podcast on to your friends and those you care about if you find the information valuable. Look forward to seeing you next time.